Hello, this is the weekly podcast of Bright Star Bible Church in Glenpool, Oklahoma. I'm Pastor Mike Branch, and I hope you're encouraged by the message from God's Word today. I wanted to let y'all know kind of what we're all about around here. And to me, the most important thing for a church to be is genuine. The most important thing for a church to be is real and honest. And, uh, and we're, not, we're not here to put on a show and we're not here to entertain. Um, I'm going to say stupid stuff. I do it every week. I'm very consistent in saying stupid stuff. So that's just, um, that's just part of it. Like we're a family and families aren't perfect. Families, uh, we, just, we just do things, right? We, and we learn and grow from our mistakes and all that kind of stuff. So I just want you guys to know um, we're not here to impress anybody. We're here to be a family to point to the truth of God's word. That's really what we want to do is glorify Christ in our worship, glorify Christ in preaching the truth of the word of God. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I do it unapologetically. And, I, I, and when, when I say that, I mean this. I mean, I'm going to preach the word of God. Uh, I'm going to preach exactly what it says. And I won't make apology for when the culture tells me something is uh, true or not true. That we don't get our truth from culture. We get our truth from the Word of God. And so I'm just going to tell it like it is, and then, and then it's up to y'all to decide how you want to receive that truth. And, uh, and, and I know that in doing so, sometimes people say, well, that's too much for me. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to hear that. Uh, you know. And so in the process, in a family, sometimes people decide to go elsewhere, and that's okay. That's okay. We want the folks here. We want you to be here because you feel called to be part of this family. Okay. And, uh, and, but we also want you to know what you're going to get when you're here. And that's going to be just unadulterated truth from the word of God. Okay. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter one, I want to say uh, welcome to those who are joining us online. I know that uh, everybody can't be here with us this morning. So if you're watching online, thank you so much for joining us. And once again, to the class in Como, Texas, um, we're so glad you guys are joining us, your Sunday school class. And, and we hope that w- you'll continue to do that. You know, we love all of you guys and are just uh, really excited that you've joined us this morning. So last week, we learned that all of creation, as well as mankind, is on a downward spiral. If you don't understand that about mankind, you need to kind of, you need to reposition your thinking and understand that mankind is on a downward spiral in his existence, okay? Your default mechanism, my default mechanism, mankind's default mechanism is tilted towards destruction and rebellion because God's word says there is no one righteous. No, not one. So when you have one unrighteous person uh, and you add another unrighteous person and then you add a whole bunch of unrighteous people together, as much as you want to do the right thing, eventually, slowly but surely, corporately you will do the wrong thing. And that's the the picture behind the mask of the beast, okay? Uh, God's word tells us that things will go from bad to worse until Christ himself returns to restore all things, okay? So let's go to Romans chapter one. 
And I wanna just put this disclaimer out there again. If you guys get finished before I do, you're more than welcome to leave and it won't hurt my feelings, okay? Um, so we know you can finish up online or whatever, but I'm gonna go ahead and preach. Last week I cut off early and uh, we'll try not to do that this week. If I have to, I'll just continue the message next week, okay? So Romans chapter one, Paul says that God's wrath is revealed in a different way than it was in the Old Testament, and God's wrath is revealed in a different way than it will be in the future when he pours out his bowls of wrath, okay? And here's what it says in Romans chapter one, and we're gonna go through this to the end of the chapter here, and I'm gonna break it down. And I want you to understand what's going on in corporate humanity. I want you to understand that this is the direction that any culture goes. Any culture that has been here and been prominent on the face of the earth historically, and they no longer exist, this is the path that they went on. So verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Don't let anybody ever tell you that, that God does not reveal his wrath anymore in this age of grace. God reveals his wrath in a different way. And it is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay? So it's a cover-up on a grand scale. They're suppressing the truth, a wicked conspiracy. And what are they covering up? What are they covering up? Verse 19, that it says, that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, the eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. This is so important to understand that God is, has been so obvious in the fact that he is the creator and this is his creation and he is in control. It states here that the first step in the journey to societal suicide uh, or depravity is denying that God created all things. That's the very first step is just making a decision that I don't believe God and I don't believe God created all things, all right? And it says that creation itself uh, brings any rational person with a conscience to a very clear conclusion. Any rational person who looks at the world around them and looks at nature will come to this same conclusion that the truth is there is a creator and that creator is almighty God. And he has designed this planet with intricate design in such a way that it's undeniable to someone who is a thinking person. He built that rationale within human existence. And that's why you and I know when you get hungry, you need to eat, right? When you're in danger, it's like fight or flight. You're, you're ready to fight or you're ready to run either way. But he put that in you. you know, that is survival, that he put that instinct in you, okay? We're given by God the ability to understand cause and effect. If you stick a fork in the toaster, it's not going to turn out well, okay? We, we understand that. We've learned from other human beings' mistakes when they do dumb things. We try not to repeat the dumb things they do so that we don't wind up in the same dumb uh, circumstances that they're in, right? Because uh, what's the saying that you, you play dumb games, you get dumb prizes, or you, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes? I love that saying, and it's so true. Um, but He's given us the ability to reason, okay? And this is what you call observable common sense. 
So go up into the mountains and look around you and deny that there's a creator. Look at the human body at the molecular level in its intricacy of design and deny that there's a creator. So if you do this, this is what happens. And if you do that, that is what happens. That's kind of how our brains were designed to think. And not to mention God gave you a conscience. So you know from the earliest of age, you know that there's within you a moral law. You know when you do something, you feel bad about it, okay? There are certain things that you can sear your conscience over time. You can convince yourself that something's not wrong. But when you're young, you understand that even though you have a nature that wants to do wrong, you still know your conscience tells you that what you're doing is wrong, okay? Your conscience bears witness. So any human being with any common sense at all will come to this these questions, all right? Now, I want to know if you guys have ever asked yourself these questions. What is the meaning of all of this? Where did it all come from? Why am I here? And where is all of this going? I mean, those are in us. At some point, we ask those questions. We do not look around at this incredible world that we live in and just decide that it all just poof, it all just... uh, just appeared one day, all right? So reasoning and conscience will always lead you back to the ultimate question, who or what is the ultimate cause, okay? And of course, we know it's God. That's the rational answer to that question. And I'll tell you what's not rational. It's not rational to say nobody times nothing equals everything. Nobody times nothing equals everything. If there was nothing, if there was no matter, if there was no creator, if there was nothing, how does something come from nothing? And to say that something came from nothing is just a form of insanity. It's to say that the entire universe came into being just all of its immaculate design out of absolutely nothing. And we know, and Romans 1 tells us, that denying this one obvious, undeniable fact is the very first step toward societal oblivion, okay? So to deny that there's a creator. And when a culture adopts that mindset, then they deny God's existence. Then the Bible says he turns them over. He turns them over. He's like, have at it. It's all yours to a debased mind. And what that word debased means is is picture a house, like a pier and beam house, falling off of the, the, the piers. It's debased. It's, it's sliding off of the foundation. And eventually it's completely off of its foundation. And that's what he's talking about. Let's continue in verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. So isn't it interesting? We're coming up on Thanksgiving here very soon. Isn't it interesting that one of the steps in this process to depravity for, for a culture, to for a society, is that they do not honor God and they do not give thanks. When you start neglecting to understand how blessed you are, that is, that's a terrible path to be on. No matter how bad things get in this earth, in this world, and in your life, You need to understand how very blessed you are in your circumstances. And if it were only grace alone, if your life was absolutely terrible, you need to at least give thanks to a loving God who offered his his amazing grace to you, just at the base level, okay? But it says they become futile in their speculations or worthless 
in other words, because they have argued against the existence of God. So what it's saying is, is if you come to the point where you're arguing against the very existence of God, you've pretty much become so debased that your, your, your life is worthless. It's pointless. You've missed the whole point of even living when you deny that there's even a God. It says their foolish heart was darkened. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. How many times have we had lectures by um, those who just think they're so more, much more enlightened than us, so thoughtful, so intelligent, so much more in, intelligent than, than, than us hayseed, backwoods, Bible-thumping hicks, right? That's, that's kind of their, their mentality is, you know, all of us folks that believe there's a God, we're just so stupid, right? And that's kind of what they, that mindset that they adopt. And the Bible says that in their self-proclaimed wisdom, they become absolute fools. They become absolute fools in denying the one who created all things to begin with. Verse 23, look what happens. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. This is really interesting. So in times past, they created idols. We read about it in the Bible and we see it in history. They created idols of wood or stone or whatever they could in these images in in the form of uh, birds and reptiles and four-footed beasts. Well, what did we do? We created an alternative explanation for the existence of God, for the world, for mankind. We denied his existence altogether, and we call it evolution. And we say that our existence is the result of nobody times nothing equals everything. So it just showed up, poof, everything just just existed. And then from that beginning came reptiles, and then came birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures, and then eventually, poof, one day there's a human being. So let me put that in a nutshell for you. From goo to the zoo and then to you. That's, That's it in a nutshell. That's what they teach, okay? So what happens next? Verse 24, therefore, again, it says, God gave them over. He gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity. So he just leaves you to your own devices. He doesn't have to strike you with a lightning bolt. He just has to let you win the stupid prize for your stupid decisions, okay? So it says in verse 25, again, he says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So they turn their affection and passions to this created world and to one another. And these folks deny the existence of God and they begin to practically worship the earth in God's place. Are we seeing this take place today? Absolutely we are. Many believe that God is in everything. That's one form of of earth worship, that that God is in everything, kind of the new age belief. And a very practical example of this lie is the fascination and all-out hysteria over the climate change issue, the green movement, right? Um, They're they're writing legislation to try to fix this. And um, look, God's word tells us From the very beginning, he made man stewards over the earth. So we should be responsible stewards and steward the earth well, okay? But we should never worship it. And when we deny there's a God, it's almost almost the very next logical step for us is to turn 
our attention toward worshiping the earth itself and making the earth itself and creation itself the most important thing. Uh, Let me just give you this little bit of information too. Man's use of fossil fuels or anything else, your, your canned hairspray, none of that is going to tilt God's plan off of its tracks, okay? Um, your, your, your oil, the, the oil in your car is not going to push God's almighty sovereign plan uh, off of the direction that God wants it to be on, all right? Um, again, we are stewards of God's earth and, and all of the things that he has entrusted to us, and we should, and we should steward it well. But we need to understand that to get caught up in those things is to almost um, admit that you have no trust and no faith in the fact that Almighty God has a plan and God's word says he's going to bring it about just as he means to. All right. We're not going to we're not going to push that off track. Okay. the other notable uh, thing in this passage is the mention of impurity and lusts concerning not only the, uh, the creation, but, but to the creature. Lust toward the creature. Mankind would turn the lusts of their heart to impurity and defile their bodies with one another. Now, what this is doing is showing us a step-by-step, step, a step-by-step descent down into debasement or, or, or depravity. That sounded like I said into the debasement. But uh, into depravity, okay? If it helps you remember, then so be it. Um, In other words, what happens next is what you would call a sexual revolution. Removing all barriers in sexuality between men and women, okay? Uh, God's Word says that both defile their God-given purpose for their bodies. And the Bible tells us that sexual sin is counted as more uh, dangerous and more destructive than any other kind of sin because it's a sin against yourself, Okay, and then, of course, they do this with as how they're so casual with it. Um, One night stands, any other kind of sexual sin. And so what the next step in this downward spiral is mentioned in verse 26. If you'll look at verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions and for the women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. So there was an unnatural thing that happened within females themselves. And it says that what was the created natural function switched into something that was unnatural. Verse 27, and in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman. So the design that God created between man and woman. And it says, and burn in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Don't let anybody tell you that God's word doesn't preach or teach against homosexuality. It's very clear in Romans chapter 1 right here. We don't do it in a hateful manner. All we're doing is putting the truth of God's word out there. And we're trying to make it known to everyone that this is the path to depravity. Okay, This is the path that, that will wind up getting an entire culture off um, out of God's plan and eventually lead them to their demise. And it's very clear. So first we see the, the sexual revolution, and then we see a homosexual revolution take place in this cultural defying of God, denying the very rational, obvious biological design of men and women. See, God created all things for a purpose in his design, and he created men and women with an incredible gift of, of procreation and, and able, uh, the ability to to continue the human species uh, the way that God is a creator, we are procreators. 
And we get to do that because God gave us that incredible gift. Women and women cannot do that, and men and men cannot do that. It's denying the very purpose of God in the design of men and women, okay? So they deny the procreation. They deny the X and Y chromosomes. They deny science. They say science is no longer truth. They throw God's purpose for them aside and in rebellion, whether they know that they're rebelling or not, okay? They do what their unnatural passions dictate. So here's what I want you to understand. This is not, I'm not being hateful. I'm just showing you what God's word tells us is a path of society. When you deny God, these are the steps that are taken. And when you begin to see these things take place, you know that God has removed his hand from a society or a culture. And and eventually that, that culture or that society will come to a natural demise. Unless something happens, unless revival happens, unless this culture or society turns back to God in some way, this is the natural progression, okay? And as we reach the tragic end of all this fall from truth, we see that God turns them over to complete insanity, completely devoid of any truth, and the result is devastating as Romans um, uh, 28, 128 describes, verse 28 it says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, remember that's where it all started, they just didn't want to acknowledge that God exists, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness. Now I want you to, as I read through this, see if this is describing the world that we live in and, and even so if this is describing our nation right now. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. Verse 30, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. That one blows my mind. We don't have enough evil, do we? Let's go invent new ways to do evil. That blows my mind, but that's what God's word is telling us happens as we invent new ways to, to rebel against God, to do evil. Disobedient to parents, uh, young ones. It's so important for you to understand that, that honoring mom and dad is very, very important. There is a spiritual truth that is attached to your obedience and your honoring of your mother and your father. So be sure that you stay on that path, okay? I mean, look at the, the descriptives that are surrounding that one little section, uh, disobedience to parents. You've got inventors of evil and insolent and arrogant all around it. So let's all be sure that we honor our mother and our father for as long as we have them. That When you become adults, you don't have to obey them anymore, but you should certainly honor your mother and father even in adulthood. Verse 31, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, meaning, meaning if you practice these sins apart from Christ, then you will reap the reward of that, which is eternity apart from God, eternity without Christ. They not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So all of these things, society will begin to applaud. Society will begin to celebrate. Have we seen any of that going on in our culture, in our society? These are not 
isolated incidents anymore. They're no longer hush-hush or taboo like they were when I was a kid, but these are celebrated publicly out in the, in the public squares, promoted. And now, if you disagree with any of these practices, any truth that culture says is truth and God's Word says is not, uh, then you will be humiliated at the very least. You may be canceled by society or possibly even destroyed. We've seen it in the past that if, if you do not agree with the powers that be, then you're thrown into prison or you're dealt with in another way. And let's not kid ourselves and think that that, that is not the direction that our world can head because we've seen it over and over again throughout human history. So let's review our society very quickly in this nation. Let's just look at a few things. When we consider that those steps to depravity that we just read through, in 1962, prayer was removed from public school, all right? Um, that was when America as a nation uh, began its journey towards no longer acknowledging God, was removing prayer from school, removing God's word from being taught in school, and then turning over to evolution as being the thing that we taught. Now, the sexual revolution, always also known as the time of sexual liberation, began in the early 1960s, and that con uh, continued through the 1980s. All right, everybody remembers the the uh, you know the the movements in the in the sixties and when Americans turned their lust toward one another and and they defiled their bodies, uh, biblical marriage spiraled downward and the divorce rate just went on a rapid just skyrocketed went on a rapid rise. Evolution started invading public schools in the early nineteen hundreds, uh, but there was a law trying to keep it at bay that in nineteen sixty eight the U S Supreme Court ruled on the matter and essentially said, all right, well, evolution is now what we're going to teach in school and the Bible will now be removed. And so instead of even teaching evolution and the account of creation and saying, uh, let's think critically, let's look at the evidence, let's, let's learn how to um, figure this out using God's word for truth. And then uh, instead they just threw the Bible completely out and said, no, this is what as a society we're adopting as truth. So our children are taught that they are not fearfully and wonderfully made by an infinite God who loves them and has a special purpose for them in life, a calling for their life. But rather, uh, we teach them that they're nothing but animals, that they're the byproduct of, of reptiles and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So if you want a society that acts like a bunch of animals, teach them that they come from a bunch of animals. That's the way it works. So, in 1981, um, not Jerry Falwell Jr., but Jerry Falwell, back in the early 80s, he said, I would like to repeat myself. A massive homosexual revolution is coming to this nation and could bring about the judgment of God upon us. And our children must not be recruited into a profane lifestyle. So, here's the deal, as I was teaching earlier, that... Because homosexuality cannot procreate, the only thing that they can do to grow their numbers is to recruit. And they recruit among our children. They use propaganda. And propaganda is used in television shows and movies and schools. And, and they teach them that there really is no truth when it comes to gender 
or sexuality, that you can be whatever you want to be, that your feelings should dictate what is true and what is not. And so what is happening is the culture is recruiting our children into the ranks of homosexuality, and they are taking over our culture. That's the direction everything is headed. So let me say to mom and dad right now, and don't ever, don't ever accuse me of never telling you this, that if you are not raising your children to know the truth of God's word, if you are not keeping them on a path of righteousness and living truth in front of them, you can't just say, do as I say, not as I do. You have to point to the word of God. You have to proclaim that it is truth. And then you have to live in such a way that it, that it shows them that you believe it's true and that it is your core conviction. And if you will do that and you will have a relationship with your kids, you, you hang out with your kids, you, you play with your kids, you form a bond with your kids, okay? And they know that that relationship informs the rules that you've set up in your house because what's the old equation is rules minus relationship equals rebellion. You want to cause your kid to rebel? Give them a bunch of rules and don't, and don't um, cultivate a relationship with them. You need to cultivate the relationship. Teach them why God's word is truth. Teach them why there is built-in protection for us when we do things God's way. And if you will do that, you will not lose your children to the world. If you neglect to do that, you very well might lose your children to the world. Continuing on this subject, we've kind of moved uh, outside of now homosexuality because that's totally the norm, right? Now, in culture, that's totally normal, and it's celebrated and promoted. But in 2020, a recent article entitled Boy or Girl, uh, Parent Raising Babies, they call them babies, uh, let kids decide, and it means raising kids with gender-neutral pronouns. So they, them, and their, rather than he, she, or him, or her, from birth, not based on anatomy, not based on the X and Y chromosome, but we're just raising them with very neutral, no colors, just black and white clothing. We're not going to encourage sexuality one way or the other. We're just going to let them decide. What do you think this is going to do 30 years from now to our society? What consequences are going to come of this? Well, God's Word tells us what consequences come. Eventually, it brings about the end of your culture. It brings about the end of your nation. It brings about the end of all things that were once sacred, one thing, the, the truth that we all once understood. And again, if you push back against that in any way, you're going to have to deal with consequences. Uh, Joe Biden recently said, I will flat out change the law to see that eight-year-old boys can get sex changes. Just change the law to see that a child who doesn't even know anything at that age is going to actually have a surgery to change their sexuality or their gender. Where do you think that's going? Go on YouTube and look up transgenders who have had sex changes that now regret that they ever got it done. Their, their lives were destroyed because they bought into the propaganda. They bought into the world's lies, and now their lives are destroyed because of it. And they're trying desperately to gain back some, sor some form of normalcy, okay? So again, 
It's just insanity. It's debased. It's when, it's when the structure has slid completely off the foundation. And I know that all of this, when thinking through all of this, it can be very disheartening. And I, I really don't want to discourage anyone this morning. That's not my goal. We should be encouraged that we can see that God's Word clearly outlines the way this takes place. So in, in a strange way, we look at Scripture and we know, well, God told us this is exactly what was going to happen if we do these things, right? Observable logic. We see these things taking place because we made these decisions 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, and this is just the natural progression, is a debased society, all right? But here's what I want you to understand. God is God, and God is in control, and God chose to create this thing called the body of Christ, the church. And it is his plan that the church would stand up and speak truth in the midst of the darkness, that we, we would be light in a dark world, that we would be the truth, the standard, pushing back, not in a hateful way, in a loving way. We would be pushing back against the lies of the enemy and the very things that are destroying society and destroying the lives of our children. That is our calling in this world. And when we shirk that and when we neglect that, we miss the whole purpose of the church and we miss your whole purpose purpose for existing in the first place, because our whole purpose is to bring glory to God in the way that we live, in the way that we raise children, in the way that we love our wives, and, our, and the way that you love your husbands. We bring, we bring glory to God in, in that action, in that life, and, and, and when we shirk our responsibility to do something very simple, like speaking the truth, because we're afraid of the consequences— then, then we just totally miss the point of our whole existence. So we know that this is the world we live in. And we know that there are many around us, many, there are those in my family that I love who, have, uh, who are now living a homosexual lifestyle. I don't, I, I love them, okay? I love them. And that's what we're supposed to do. We love them, we respect them, we never treat them as anything less than a human, human being that God loves, but you do not have to condone their lifestyle. You do not have to condone it. As a matter of fact, the only hope they have in being released from that prison that they are in is someone loving them and pointing to the truth. Now, more than likely, the natural progression is this. When you point to the truth, then they will, they will walk out of your life. They'll say that you hate them, that you're a bigot, that you're a phobe, whatever label they put on it, and they'll walk out of your life. But that's not on you. You have to love them and make an effort to love them, but never condone their actions. Point to the truth and then let them decide whether or not they want that relationship in their life. And of course we want that relationship in our life, but we can't do anything about if they decide to walk out of our lives, okay? So let me just encourage you. I'm sure many in this room have relatives, uh, family members that are uh, sexually uh, confused and have bought into this lifestyle, whether it be homosexuality, whether it be transgenderism, whatever the case may be, I'm encouraging you to love them with the love of God and treat them res with respect and honor and always point them to the truth of God's word and then let them make the decision from that point on, okay? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to skip down here to the end. And I want to talk about these 
worldviews, all right? These seven deadly worldviews. Because as we look at society, we realize that all of these things are playing a part. And if we look through human history, we see that these things stack on one another, okay? And it's, and it's this, this progression that takes place, all right? And as these worldviews begin to meld together in a society, we get to the place where we are today in our culture, where they say there is no truth. It's so convoluted that you don't know what to believe. So two plus two equals seven, or two plus two equals nine. And nowadays, two plus two equals goat. I mean, it doesn't even have to make sense, right? It's just, it's, truth is whatever we want it to be, okay? So the first one is Gnosticism. Gnosticism says that humans are divine souls trapped in the ordinary physical world, and the thrust is that secret knowledge can set you free, and only a select elite few are able to find this truth. That's Gnosticism. So it comes from the Greek word gnosis, which is knowledge, uh, but we have to be able to tell the difference between biblical gnosis, which Peter talks about all the time, and Paul talks about, you have to have a knowledge of the Word of God, a knowledge, a gnosis of the truth in you, biblical truth, and that's what you build your life upon, not heretical Gnosticism, which is, of course, um, it's this secret spiritual knowledge, um, and it's... and. Gnosis is all about God bringing heaven and earth together, whereas uh, Gnosticism is saying we can transcend this world with this secret knowledge. We can leave this world behind and, and do things in a new and different way. So you have all of your cults like, um, I mean, the New Age religion. You've got um, the, you guys have heard of this Nexium cult. It was all about this, this, this new way of thinking and dealing with the issues of your past. Uh, you name it, David Koresh, um, all of these different people. It was all about secret knowledge that this elite few tapped into and they found truth that set them apart and allowed them to transcend beyond normal uh, earthly means, okay? So um, I would say that in the church today, we see this happen in the teaching it can happen in the church. Anything that is happening in the world, you see forms of it in the body of Christ. And that's what we have to protect against. So in the church, uh, what Gnosticism would look like is saying that, well, if I have the mind of Christ, then I can read people's minds and I can do all, I can uh, tell the future and I can do all of these things, right? That um, I have this secret knowledge that makes me more spiritual. And then on top of that, you've got pastors who are celebrity pastors who supposedly have this secret knowledge because they're so much more spiritual than you and I, okay? Because they talk to God every morning in, uh, while they're shaving in their bathroom. And God speaks directly to them. Instead of getting their truth from the Word of God, they're getting it directly from Jesus who's talking to them while they're shaving, okay? So let me just tell you, that's extremely dangerous. And... The truth of God's word has been revealed to us. The, 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 the exact revelation of Jesus Christ has been revealed in the pages of Scripture. And let me just say that if Jesus shows up in your bathroom in the morning, 
you should run, okay? Because it's probably not him. Paul warned us that even if even an angel of light comes to you preaching another gospel, do not buy into it because the gospel is set in stone now. It's in the word of God. We need no other truth. If you want to know the truth of God's word, read God's word. If you want to know who God is, read God's word. If you want to know what, what's ahead in the future, read God's word. That's all we need, okay? That's very important to understand. So again, uh, Gnosticism within the church fleshes out in that regard. Um, in this secret knowledge or these celebrity pastors that people think that we have to flock to and sit at their feet. You can read God's word and study God's word to show yourself approved just as easily as I can. And I highly encourage that. Okay. When I'm preaching, you need to know that when something comes out of my mouth, that's off, that's not right. You can come to me in love and say, Hey, uh, you said this, but God's word says this. Can you help me understand? Okay. And, and I encourage you to do that. I'm, I'm not high and mighty. I have all the answers. God word, God's word has all the answers. And we need to get that straight. The second worldview is legalism. It's the idea that you can do something to please God that will save you. So somehow in your actions, you can uh, perform or you can, um, you can um, I guess, impress God to such extent that, that it saves you. Okay, And legalism is actually one of the oldest forms of heretical lies. Jesus dealt constantly with the scribes and Pharisees who were legalistic, and they believed that their actions and the way they conducted themselves was what was going to get them into heaven, and that's why they were arguing with Jesus about healing a man on the Sabbath day, because the, the law itself was more important to them than the whole principle of the law, and that's why Jesus said, look, the laws were made for man, not man for the laws. Like the whole purpose of the law was to bring freedom for men and morality for men. But when you twist it into something that it's not supposed to be, it actually winds up being oppressive. And Jesus wants us to be free. That's the whole point. He wants you and I to be free. So we cannot fall into legalism. And legalism comes in two forms or comes in one form. Mainly it's the law trying to perform to prove yourself, uh, to prove to God that you're holy. All right. And when you fall into that trap, that's a terrible trap to fall into. Galatians 5.1. Galatians 5.1 says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. The idea that you have to perform or be holy or be good enough. Jesus calls it slavery. Jesus calls it oppression. Jesus calls it Yoke. That's why a yoke on you. That's why he said, "My yoke is easy and my burden is light." All you, he's already paid the price. All you have to do is rest in that. Rest in his amazing grace. There is nothing that you can do to earn holiness or favor with God because Christ was already punished on a cruel cross on your behalf, and he's done everything he had to do so that you and I can be free, and we don't have to have that burden on our shoulders. So your salvation sets you free. Um, so again, grace plus anything else. Grace plus baptism. Grace plus speaking in tongues. Grace plus uh, keeping the law. Grace plus whatever. Grace plus anything else is legalism and it's heresy. Amen? 
The next one is dualism, and this is good versus evil. Think Star Wars. Think the darkness versus the light. Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker, okay? Um, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. We've seen it in the cartoons growing up as kids, right? Um, the yin and the yang, okay? This, this, this idea that, there, that light and darkness are in constant battle with one another and that there's a balance to the force. There's no balance to light and darkness, let me tell you what scripture says in John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through him and apart from him. Nothing came into being that has come into being. He made everything. Verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it. The darkness could not overtake it. The darkness does not battle the light. When you walk into a pitch black room and you turn on the light, what happens to the darkness? It flees. It's gone. There's no battle between light and darkness. Almighty God is in control. You and I battle against darkness because we face temptation. We face the schemes of the enemy. But when we put our eyes on him... And, what, and, and the work that he's done, there is no battle. He's the winner every single time, 100 times out of 100, okay? So we need to understand that dualism is not a biblical thing. Light against darkness, th there's no battle between uh, darkness and light in the way that, um, that God is somehow in danger of losing the battle. God cannot lose the battle. Imagine playing chess with someone who knows everything, who knows what moves you're going to make before you make them, how could you defeat someone like that? That's the battle between darkness and light. It's like playing chess with God. You're not going to win, and neither is the enemy. So that should give you comfort today, that no matter how dark it gets, the light is going to prevail. Amen? The next one's Darwinism, and we've already discussed that today at length, but notice how it's part of that process of being turned over to a debased mind. Nobody times nothing equals er everything, okay? And it's just simply impossible when you look at the world around you. When you look at the observable facts around you and the design, it demands that there has to be a designer, okay? Um, the next one is pragmatism. And this one is the end justifies the means. And we've seen this in this country in many different forms. Um, but basically what it says is we can do whatever we have to do, even sacrifice what is right, right, in the middle of it to reach the desired result. So whatever it takes, we can do whatever we have to do as long as we come to the conclusion that we want to come to. So cheating, tipping the scales, manipulating the results, the best example that I can think of is abortion. And the argument for ab abortion is always pragmatic in nature. It's always pragmatic. It's, it's infringing upon my rights. It's my body. It's my choice. Okay? That's, that's the excuse that they give. Or this one. I've had folks tell me this. Well, that baby is going to grow up poor. That baby is going to grow up struggling. It won't have a good life. And, and doesn't that sound strangely compassionate, but until you follow it through to the logical conclusion that the conclusion is, well, that baby's going to struggle, so we should just kill it. Like we're not even going to give it a chance at life 
because we're afraid it might have a bad life. But how do we know? How do we know what kind of life it's going to have? And even if it has the worst possible life and still finds the Lord Jesus, isn't that the most important thing? We should always err on the side of life and never fall into this pragmatist. And now pragmatism is what's driven every dictator to do every evil thing that dictators have done. Killing six million Jews. Stalin killing the millions of, of people that they killed. Every single dictator, it always goes back to pragmatism. The ends justi the, justify the means. So whatever it takes to get there, you know, that's, that's okay. Another thing that we're looking at today is euthanasia, right? The, the idea that when you no longer of, are of use to society, when you reach a certain age, then we should be able to just transition you into whatever comes next, right? And uh, if you think that I'm uh, joking about this, one of the 10 advisory board members that was named last week on Joe Biden's new coronavirus task force, his name is Dr. Zeke Emanuel, he has argued that life is not worth living past the age of 75, okay? Which poses an interesting question. He's been named as this member of a task force to a president who's, I think, 78? How, how old is you? <laughs> what? 77. So, uh, so isn't that interesting? Uh, when you start, and I'm sure that that's really easy to believe until you actually hit 74 or 75 and you're like, I think maybe we ought to, we ought to rethink this whole thing, right? Uh, my dad is 74, just turned 74. The man could work circles around me. My uncle George drove a bulldozer until he was 91 years old, eight hours a day, and he's still kicking. All he does now is goes, he goes fishing, and he could probably work circles around me. Don't tell me that your age dictates your usefulness. That's, that's bull, but that's pragmatism. It's saying that if you're no longer of, of use to society, then we should just send you on to wherever you're going next, okay? And that's a lie from the pit of hell. All right, um, syncretism. Syncretism is the next one. And this, and I'm almost done. I'm going to wrap up here uh, in just a moment. But syncretism is this. You've heard it. You may not know that this is what it's called. Syncretism is that all roads lead to God. That all truth is truth. And it doesn't matter what you believe. It's all going to lead us to the same, the same great cosmic consciousness, right? When we die, we're all going to be this giant brain in outer space and we're all, whatever they come up with, right? It's, it's very odd that they'll argue with me about what I believe that has historical uh, data to back it up. We've got archaeology that backs up scripture, all kinds of, and then yet they can just pull a speculation, the Bible calls it, out of thin air and build their whole truth around it. And somehow I'm supposed to believe that that's truth because you concocted it. Like you just came up with it out of nowhere. So syncretism is just saying it doesn't matter what you believe. And we're going to see this flesh out as we begin to study. I'm not going to talk much about this or the next one. As we study over the next several weeks, we will see that in the very end, there is a one world religion in which all faiths are merged into one. And they have one pope, if you will, one leader over that entire church. And he's called the false prophet. And we're going to talk all about that. So um, 
The, the very last one is humanism. And we've talked about this as well. It goes back to the Tower of Babel, this idea that we no longer need God. And we just read through in Romans chapter 1 where humanism takes mankind. It takes you on this descent down into depravity and darkness. And that's what is going to happen again in the end. When the language barriers are removed, when technology reaches a certain level, right, where it's just blowing your mind, and honestly, that's the way it's been recently. Um, essentially, humankind is going to dream these big dreams, and all of technology and the medical field and everything is going to point us toward these dreams, which are corporately, we can do anything. We can travel to the stars. We can set up a, 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 a giant bubble and live on Mars, right? We can prolong life, maybe even be immortal, we can enhance our human design. We can create designer babies. If gender means nothing, then, then humanity doesn't really mean much either in its, in its current form. If we want to mix cells with, um, with a shark, if we want to mix cells with a monkey and we want our children to have a tail, you think I'm joking. You think I'm joking. I'm not joking. This is already in the mix, this idea. Um, we can create designer babies. We can choose the sex. We can somehow mix the genes where it has no sex. We can, we can enhance them in some way. We'll talk more about that. It sounds sci-fi, but believe me, we're right on the cusp of it right now. Um, so I bring all of these things into view because these are the things we're going to be discussing. And I want you, as we're reading and studying about the mask of the beast, this satanic uh, motion or movement behind the, the activities of man and governments. As we reach the end times, you will begin to see these things uh, more clearly in Scripture and more clearly in the world around us, in the spirit of the age. And it will blow your mind because you will be one who can look around you and see the enemy is at work, that the enemy is trying to bring everything down. The enemy is trying to rebel, uh, cause humanity to completely rebel against the existence of God. And that's exactly where we are. So as we study these things over the next several weeks, I want you to keep these things in mind. These, these seven deadly worldviews, because all of them is like mixing in a bowl, like a recipe for disaster. We're just pouring these, these worldviews in this bowl and we're mixing them all together. And the end result is going to be what we see, what we read about in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel when the end of time comes. Okay, So that's what we're going to study over the next several weeks. I hope you'll join us. At the very least, join us online. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful time um, studying this together. But let me just leave you with this. At the end, at the very end, the hope that we have is in Christ Jesus, that the creator of all things, as much as we've messed it all up, he will return in glorious fashion to redeem all things. There will be no more sorrow and no more pain. There will be no more death for all former things will be passed away and all things will be made new. That's the promise and that's our hope. So let's understand the times we live in, but let us never lose hope in the Redeemer. Amen. Let's pray. 